1: This is Steve Wright. Today, I'm with Lead Pastor Jimmy Scroggins at Family Church, and today we're going to be talking about five free strategies for church growth that will cost you your life. Everybody likes to talk about things that are free. We like to receive things that are free. And Jimmy, this past week, my youngest son, who's a fisherman, he won a Yeti cooler, and man, he nice. thought, yeah, he thought he won the lottery. Man, he was so. fired Sweet. up. And so, you know, some people would say, argue that nothing in life is free. Well, today on our podcast, we're actually going to be talking about these five free strategies. And if you think about our church, Jimmy, we really needed free strategies because of what we were going through at the time financially. And we talked that about right. We were, you know, an episode. We still one, like them a lot. We too. still like them a lot. And so we're going to be talking about these today. And so we're excited. And so Jimmy, if you would talk to us a little bit about this, and I want you to start not with the free strategies, but I want you to talk about how this actually will cost us our life.
0: Well, you know, when you say something is going to be free, and then you say it's going to cost you your life, what what do you have more precious than your life? And I think when you read in the Bible, you find that the people in the book of Acts were in the same situation that a lot of our listeners are in right now. And a lot of times at family church, we feel like we're in the same place. We have this great burden, this great opportunity to do evangelism, but we have very limited resources or sometimes no resources. In fact, some of our churches are in debt. And so we actually have negative resources available to reach people for Christ. So when we say that these resources are free, we're going to be able to really imitate what the disciples were doing in the book of Acts. Now, when you read the book of Acts, you find out this, they didn't have money, they didn't have buildings, they didn't have places to meet, they didn't have a lot of access to wealthy or influential people, but what they did have was a complete Reckless abandon to the cause of the gospel. And when you read the book of Acts, what has to grab your heart and inspire you is the absolute all in posture of every one of those apostles. Those guys were all in. They were all in. Yeah. And you start reading about, look, like you start reading, well, who's all in? Well, you just look at Peter and John. I think the week after Pentecost, what are they doing? They're out there preaching in the temple, getting arrested. Mm. And after they get arrested, those guys say to them, hey, if you keep talking about Jesus, we're going to put you in jail again. And these are the same people who just crucified (laughs) Jesus. Right. They saw it. Yeah. Like, 40 days ago, they crucified Jesus. The same guys are saying, you better shut your mouth or we'll do to you what we've done to Jesus. And those guys said, you do what you want. We're gonna have to obey obey the voice of God rather than man. Or you look at the the apostle Paul and the apostle Paul is actually a persecutor of Christians. So he knew what it could cost. But then when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, he goes all in. Mm -hmm. And when you read through the book of Acts, shipwrecks, beatings, prison, threat of death, arrests and then in his his defense of his ministry in second corinthians just he just lists them out stripes on his back hunger thirst cold Ship stone wrecks. to death oh yeah, my of it. gosh these guys are all in and they had no money no resources no seminary training none of the stuff that many of us take for granted and so one of the things that we've tried to do at family church is imitate those guys and on church for the rest of us podcast I hope our church for the rest of us listeners would all agree Look. We may not have some of the resources we see other churches having. When we look on the internet, we go to conferences, we watch on television, we read books. My gosh, these guys have all of these amazing resources that we don't have. But what we can all have is an all-in abandon. To the cause of Christ, just like we see in the book of Acts.
1: Well, and you see, too, these were just common, ordinary men. Acts 4.13 tells us that. And, you know, really, you think about how Jesus trained these men. I mean, they were really equipped and prepared. And, you know, if you if anyone were actually really to ever argue the point, you, all you have to really do is look at the results. I mean, we're actually living testimonies of how effective they were. Yeah,
0: 2,000 later... 2,000 years later, the, their, their, the results of their efforts are
1: still rippling out, aren't they? All around the world. Yeah. And so, Jimmy, why don't you walk us through those strategies? And I know these are things that have really shaped and really marked and uh, I, you know, our ministry here, and they're really badges of distinction for us. And so why don't you walk us through those? Yeah. These are kind of our, our plumb lines, if you, if you want to call it that. And we got them straight from the book of
0: Acts, and they are absolutely free in terms of money but they really might cost your life. Five things. Number one, devotion to prayer. Number two, abundant seed sowing. Number three, making disciples that make disciples. Number four, planting churches. And number five, identifying and training new leaders. These are the five strategies that do not cost
1: any money but they may indeed cost you your life okay walk us through that now you say we've got that from the from you know the book of Acts right. Ta- talk to us a little bit about that
0: Well as we've studied the Bible you know when we well, again we go to conferences, we read books we listen to speakers and we learn a lot we're grateful for them. but one of the reasons we feel like we're equipped to talk about church for the rest of us is we needed these kinds of strategies and we just decided instead of instead of going to all these conferences and looking at, the latest and the greatest. Why don't we just go back to the latest and
1: greatest of things we can't afford. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Stuff we can't
0: do. What if we just go back to the Bible and go to the back to the book of Acts where this whole party got started? Let's just start doing what they did. And so you think about it. Let's talk about prayer for just for just a moment. Uh, you you think about what happens in the book of Acts. Okay. Jesus raises from the dead. He spends 40 days with his disciples. After 40 days, he ascends to heaven. The disciples then spend 10 days in prayer before Pentecost. We know it's 10 days because there's 50 days between Passover weekend when Jesus was crucified and Pente- the, fe- the celebration of Pentecost. Well, on Pentecost, after 10 days of praying together, in that upper room in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples. They're filled with the Spirit. Tongues of fire appear over their heads and they spill out into the streets of Jerusalem where all of these people from all over the world are gathered for the festival of Pentecost and they begin to preach Jesus crucified and raised from the dead and they begin to call men and women, boys and girls to repent of their sins and believe in the risen Jesus. And as they do that, it is the power of prayer that sets this whole day in motion where 3000 people become believers and get baptized and establish the very first Christian church in the history of the world the the first Baptist church of Jerusalem and so we just see that and then you see all the way through the book of Acts, you see these people praying. Remember, they're praying in the house and Peter got arrested. So he's in jail. Right. And he thinks he's going to be executed because James just got executed. But while they're having this prayer meeting, the angel comes and gets him out of jail. That's a great story. And he story. goes to the house. Right. And the little girl comes to see him at the door and she gets scared to death because <laughs> yeah. she thinks he's a ghost. Because right. she thinks he probably got executed like James. And so there's this, this, this whole experience that the, these guys are t- having together is all bathed in prayer. Or you think about the people in the the very first church plant from the church in Jerusalem. That was an unintentional church plant because of persecution in Antioch. This church bubbles up from these believers who move from Jerusalem to Antioch and they begin to win people to Christ. Well, they're praying. And when the apostles come to check on them, they begin to pray and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's when the apostles say, hey, we need to baptize these guys and put our stamp of approval on them because these Gentiles have the Holy Spirit uh, in Antioch, just like the Jews have
1: in Jerusalem, so this whole experience
0: and when Jesus of being was with these prayer, guys, yeah. Jimmy,
1: I mean, th- this is what he was actually training them. He was no teaching question. them to pray like this. That that's exactly right. And so,
0: all the way through the Gospels, all the way through the Book of Acts, and all the way through the letters of Paul and Peter and John, you you just see that they are bathing the gospel ministry in in prayer. So so we see that in the scriptures. You talk about seed sowing. Just from the very beginning of the book of Acts what happens? They come out into the streets of Jerusalem at Pentecost and they begin to sow the seed. They immediately begin to preach the gospel of Jesus everywhere that they can and people respond. Acts chapter 3 and 4, Peter and John go to the temple like they do regularly and they begin to turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations right there in the temple. And it starts like a gospel riot. And all of these people right. get stirred up and they get arrested and all this stuff happens. But at the end of the day, thousands of people become believers. And so now this church that just a week ago was 3,000 is now like seven or 8,000. And it's all because of people doing abundant seed sowing. And you see that again, all the way through the book of Acts. They go to jail they win the jailer to Christ. Right, you know oh. they they get on a ship. They win the the sailors to Christ wherever they go. The that's, demon that's what they
1: do. the demon possessed man yeah, he gets saved man. and then immediately yeah, the he's... Idol, yeah
0: the guys in charge of the idol factories they they just win they turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations abundant seed sowing and it doesn't cost a dime to do that. You talk about making disciples that make disciples right there in the Book of Acts. You know one of the first major disciples that is where we have any detail is the Apostle Paul. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, but then Ananias is sent to disciple him and to introduce him to a new church family and to get him baptized. And so you see Ananias, and then you see Barnabas reaching out to Saul, reaching out to Paul as, as they go to minister at the church of Antioch and elsewhere. And so there's all of this discipleship that begins to happen. Then, of course, you see you see Paul ministering to Timothy and Titus, his protégés, and then many others that he names in all of his letters. Disciples that make disciples doesn't cost anything. You go on, and think about planting churches, and you think about what happens in Antioch, the very first church plant in history, right? So you have the first church in history, the Jerusalem, the very first church plant, the very first daughter churches in Antioch, and it happens not from any plan or any fundraising strategy or, or or any media blitz that the apostles who were in charge of the church of Jerusalem had planned. It's just the normal everyday people who are dispersed because of persecution in Jerusalem, planting a church and preaching
1: the gospel in, in Antioch. Yeah, and really the every, way- everywhere these guys went and where they shared the gospel and where they made yes. disciples, they began gatherings of That's churches right. from city to city. I mean and it so happened everywhere. And
0: it just bubbles up because the new disciples are formed into churches just the way that just the way that God designed for this all for this all to work. And of course they had to identify and train leaders. There's no way they could have staffed these churches and meet the needs of these churches without identifying training leaders. And the first evidence of that of course you see is in Acts chapter six where the needs of this mega church with thousands and thousands of people that are pressing in on these uh, 12 apostles that are completely have no formal training other than they did get to be with Jesus, which is pretty cool. Right. But they had no formal training, what that we would call formal training. And these guys have all this organization to do. And you think about how hard we at large churches in the United States work at talking about our organization and our leadership strategy and our leadership principles and and uh, John Maxwell and... You know, good to great. These guys didn't have any of that. (laughs) They had thousands of people and no building.
1: And brand new Christians. And
0: no internet, right? And they are in there trying to to manage this church. And so they had to develop leaders quickly. In Acts chapter 6, you see the first evidence of that. And then all the way through again, Paul says to Titus when he writes him that letter, he says, Hey, listen, you're going to have to appoint overseers in every town on Crete for all the believers. Paul didn't have time to go to Crete and do it. He writes Titus a letter you do it i trained you you find leaders i want them to look like this titus chapter one and you appoint these leaders in every town so this whole cycle of disciples that make disciples and leaders that train leaders and none of this stuff costs a dime
1: well jimmy if we're going to move the needle of lostness here in south florida we're going to need something like that to happen and certainly that's our hope and you know as we're contacted by churches really across the nation and even from other countries you know, a lot of times the question that they're asking, I mean, they, they actually already know these principles and they know they're from the Bible and they know that they're free and they are things that they can do, but they really, they want to know what does this look like in our church? How can we do this? And these are things that have really, you know, put a mark on our church. I mean, you know, it's been wonderful to work here at Family Church and see how this has actually influenced our church. And so as we're together, in our meetings and planning meetings and retreats, these are the things that we're talking about because they really matter so much to us. And if you listen to our first episode, you know, the truth of where we were as a church we had it much worse off than really the disciples, not in regards to persecution, but in regards to our financial standing. I mean, we we weren't flat even. I mean, we were no, we in were the negative. hole. We, we were in the negative, negative.
0: resources, no so, doubt. So, you
1: know, obviously we needed to, to latch onto something that we could do. I mean, we just had so much debt. But really, these principles that we're talking about, they're biblical, they're universal, uh, they're free, they can work in any city, any country. They can work in the north, the south, the east, the west. They work in any language. And quite honestly, they're working around the world. And that's why you see in places like Iraq and Iran, ten right. to 15,000 people right. coming to Christ per month. You see it working in China and all over the place. And if we have any hope and a desire to see that type of gospel movement happen here in South Florida or in anywhere in the country these are the things that we have to hold on dearly to now Jimmy a couple of years, last year you and I wrote a book called turning everyday Go- conversations into gospel conversations yeah. and really that was our, our desire to train our people to do these things and so the question that we're asked what does this actually look like in a local church and that's why people fly in and drive here, and that's why they came to our conference and right. those kind of things. Walk us through a little bit.
0: Hopefully somebody's even listening to this podcast. Yeah,
1: we hope. Well, we know two people are listening, <laughs> Yeah, right? our moms. Our moms. <laughs> and right. so, uh, you know, walk us through. I mean, what what does that practically look like? And I mean, for the guy who's sitting out there in rural North Georgia or South Alabama, what does it look like in, in the local church?
0: Well, we've, we've already talked a lot about uh, abundant seed sowing and devotion to prayer in our last episode. And if you guys haven't heard that, go to our website, check it out and uh, listen. But let me just focus on the other other three items. When we talk about uh, making disciples who make disciples, one of the principles that we've learned from some others is this principle of rapid obedience. If you really want to make disciples that make disciples, you've got to engage your new disciples, new believers, in evangelism, immediately don't wait. You know, our normal pattern, of course, is to try to win somebody to Christ, and then it takes six months for them to get baptized. And then after they get baptized, they somehow join the church. And after we preach sermons to them and get them in a small group or a Sunday school class for a couple of years, then they get tender enough so that when we preach guilt sermons twice a year to make them feel guilty for not sharing the gospel, then maybe they'll go to some class, you know, and 25 that would, years later, yeah, there 25 maybe, later, they might win somebody to Christ, <laughs> right. which is a horrible model. Right. And so we've got to get a lot more intentional about encouraging people towards rapid obedience. As soon as you become a believer, why don't you immediately begin to share what you've heard and come to believe with people that you love that are far from God? So rapid obedience is a big deal. And one of the ways that we've been able to encourage rapid obedience is that our church, we have embraced a tool to share the gospel. And uh, Steve, you and I have been Christians for a long time. We've been trained in many, many tools. So either one of us right now, we could right. do a, a pretty good job sharing uh, evangelism explosion or the CWT, faith presentation right. or CWT. I can the sit bridge. there and draw the bridge. Right. I can walk you through the Romans road. If you give me a track, I can do steps of peace with God. I can do the four spiritual laws. But whatever tool you embrace, it doesn't matter. They all share the gospel. Find a tool for your church. At our church, we've chosen to use the three circles. And the reason we use the three circles is we have found it is simple enough that a new believer can understand it, immediately grasp the concept, and share it with somebody else. So find a tool that facilitates rapid obedience. And one of the reasons why I don't like some of the more complicated tools for new believers is it requires so much You need a master,
1: master's degree. You got a master,
0: yeah, it's a flow chart. <laughs> if they say this, then you right, gotta say that. Right. And if they say this, then you be right. Re- well, let's just do something simple. And the three mm-hmm. circles does that. And if any of our listeners at church for the rest of us have never heard of the three circles, or are interested in a in a simple tool that facilitates rapid obedience. The North American Mission Board has actually created a kit where we've made some videos to help you train people. There's a there's a leaders guide and a students guide, and there's tracks, there's an app. All of these tools are available to you at very low cost. And just to be clear, Steve and I, and we don't make a dime off of this. So if you buy this stuff, we don't make a dime. If you buy that book, Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations, we're not making a dime off of that. We would love for you to use these tools. The we app to is free. A, the app is free. We want right. to put them in your hands. And we'll put those in the show notes. And two other tools that we've used in helping to make disciples that make disciples are called The Seven Commands of Christ and The Seven Stories of Hope. And we did not invent these tools. We adapted them from tools that others have developed over years. And if you just Google seven stories of hope or seven commands of Christ, there's 50 versions of them available. We're the actually Internet. going to
1: have some of those on in our show notes yeah. today and as so well. They, yeah, right. Yeah. They go
0: to our show notes, they can check it out and get our version and we don't charge you for it. And check out our version. And again, it's all open source. If you guys at church for the rest of us want to make changes and make it better, please do. <laughs> send it Share, back to us after you make it better. And when you make it better, we'll right. use your version of it.
1: But uh, that's something that we're trying to do as far as making disciples that make disciples. Okay. Jimmy, talk to us a little bit about planting churches and, you know, Some might argue that it's not free, and then, you know, obviously there's some things that we've got to do to make it a little bit more economical here in South Florida, and we're going to actually have a a podcast on that on seed churches, but talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Well, Steve, you and I have been raised around church planting and church plants. We've been a part of facilitating those. When I was even a little kid, my dad was an elder in a church plant, and I personally went door to door passing out brochures, inviting people to our new church. that we Weren't were you also
1: to. in charge of lawn care?
0: I was also in charge of lawn care. Every <laughs> Sunday morning, my dad woke me up at six o'clock. I had to put my put my lawnmower in the back of the station wagon, the family truckster, and we went down to the community center and I had to mow the grass every single Sunday so that when people came to church, it, it, it would, would be look ready. Nice. That's right. But the only way we knew to do it was launch large, where you hire a staff, where you do a lot of print material, where you do a lot of advertising, rent the facility, get the facility. You try to get, you try to have one day where you make this big splash and maybe you set a goal of 200 or 500 or a thousand on your first day. You know, it's going to drop by 50% the next or, or week more. Yeah. or more. And then that kind of becomes the, your starting point, And then you try to work it from there. And look, we still do that at Family Church. We're grateful for churches that launch large and we we want to encourage that. But that requires hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars for each one. And the the more densely populated the area is where you try to launch a church large, like in downtown Dallas or New York City or Miami or West Palm Beach, the more expensive it actually yeah, is, the more right. expensive it is to live, the more expensive it is to rent space. And we just believe that while we're going to try to do some of that, if we're going to reach millions of people in South Florida, we're going to have to find other models that are not as costly. We can't raise a half a million dollars every time we want to start a new congregation. So we're experimenting with some low-cost options, some of them no-cost, partnerships with existing churches that need to be revitalized. We've done quite a lot of that, and we'll do more podcasts on revitalization. We are big into bivocational church planning. We'll do more podcasting on bivocational church planning, but we are finding high-capacity leaders who already live in South Florida, already attend our church or a sister church, and these these men have capacity and skills that could be applied to plant a church and we're calling them out we have a training system a residency program to train them and again we'll talk more about that in our seed church strategy but there are alternatives to launch large so some of you at church for the rest of us you're thinking there is no possible way we could raise half a million dollars to plant a church if that's what it takes i guess nam's got to do that right i'm telling our listeners You need to think about how to experiment with the resources and the people you have. You may actually have people with great capacity in your church right now that could be part of a bivocational church plan, and we'll talk more about that. And we just know, look, Arthur Flake established a long time ago in the 1920s for Southern Baptists that new units grow faster, and that is a proven axiom of church growth. It's true for small groups. It's also true for churches. New congregations grow faster than established congregations. And so if we want to do this, and we want to reach people in South Florida, we're going to have to constantly be generating new congregations to reach more people. And finally, planting churches is powerful, especially if you have an anchor church or a mother church in the area who can help because you you can take advantage of economies of scale that the larger umbrella church can provide. They can pool their expertise and their resources and it can help new church plants grow further and faster and cheaper and be a lot more agile when it comes to taking advantage of opportunities in a region. So that's
1: how we plant churches, if not for free,
0: very, very, very inexpensively.
1: Right. Well, Jimmy, the the miners back in the the good old days, you know, they used to always have. They had a slogan. They said there there's gold in them thar hills. And you know, really, yeah. as a church and as a pastor, we need to really look and consider that there's actually gold in them thar. Absolutely right?
0: Well, there's golden leadership in there. Even if they don't have money, there are people with incredible skills sitting there who just would really like to be involved in a higher level of church leadership,
1: but they don't have
0: an entree to do
1: it. Jimmy, you think about some of the men in our churches who maybe when they were 19 or 20 or they were young men, maybe in college, maybe they actually wrestled with a calling to ministry, but they were actually fed a a bunch of baloney. They were told, hey, listen, if you're not willing to pack oh it up gosh. and, you know, move off four yeah. states away and go to, God obviously didn't call you. And one of the things that we've noticed as we've really been casting vision with our leaders through internships, residency programs, or you casting vision on Sunday morning with just the vision of our church through leader rallies and things like that, there's a lot of leaders in our church if we'll take time to develop them, but we just have to have the Leadership training mechanism in our church to do so. Any thoughts about that?
0: Well, look, a lot of churches pay for everything, and that's their mindset. But probably those who are listening to church for the rest of us don't have the ability to pay everything done. Well, here's what we do at Family Church. Even though we're a large church, we have uh, student ministry interns all the time, about 25 of them that work 20 hours a week. None of them make a dime. They are here for the experience. We're investing in them in a lot of ways, but we're not paying them money. So they're financially no cost. We have a church planting residency program. We have about 15 men in Spanish and 15 men in English that are learning to plant churches. All of them are bivocational. All of them intend to be bivocational when they complete the program and we don't pay any of them a dime. They are free. Uh, We have lay volunteers who we invest in through our leadership pipeline. Look, you've got to identify, recruit, train, and place leaders all the time And it doesn't have to cost money. It can if you have the resources. But look, church for the rest of us is for the churches that don't have the money to pay for everybody. And I'm telling you, if we will challenge people and create a system, create a pathway for them to walk, you might be surprised at the number of people who are willing to step up and take a higher level of leadership and even get trained to do it.
1: Well, a lot of these people, Jimmy, when you put the vision out there in front of them, they're willing to trade. A lot of the things that maybe uh, you know they would be tempted to give their life for 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 the gospel because and and you know what they actually do realize this is going to cost them their life and they That's make right. great sacrifices and I think about you know just the the impact of this on our church I mean practically I think about a young man named Ryan that you know had the opportunity to disciple and you know he was uh, in addiction and uh, came here and that after he came to Christ we gave him some of these simple tools taught him how to pray and you know the called me back the next night and he said, Pastor Steve, I want you to know I was able to share the gospel seven times today. And so, you know, you just think about those kind of stories, getting people included early on. I mean, it's really important. And, you know, if we want to, like I said earlier, if we want to see the needle of lostness moved here in South Florida, we're going to have to have more and more gospel conversations turn into more and more gospel congregations. And that's really how it's going to work. It can't be the the pros, not. it can't be, you know, so it's got to be... That's the name
0: of the game. Yeah. More gospel conversations and more gospel congregations, and it it is possible to have those for free. Right. Those do not require tremendous financial
1: resources. Well, I hope our listeners know this, but we I absolutely do not have it all figured out. We are having a lot of fun. We make a lot of mistakes, and uh, we skin our knees a lot. But we are devoted to these five things, and uh, they have really shaped our lives personally and even corporately here at our church and on all of our church plants and campuses. And if you have more questions about it, we would invite you to come and join us on March 1 for our Sharper Conference. We are excited about that. We have an early bird registration going on right now. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, we would love to have you uh, look at the website www. SharperConference.com. And then also, we have a lot of things that we talked about in our podcast today that are going to be in our show notes. So we hope that you'll take the time to look at those.
0: Yep. It's been great being with you guys. Thanks for listening to us on Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or Check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.